0: prayer and we just touched on it and we talked we asked you know why doesn't God always answer all of my prayers why doesn't he just answer all of my prayers sometimes people will say it it feels like my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling well this morning I want to address this whole idea of why doesn't God just answer all my prayers in greater in greater detail and give you some biblical principles that will help you answer the skeptic's question, when he said, well, there's no God. If there was a God, he would answer all your prayers and all this kind of thing, so that we'll give you enough to answer maybe some of the skeptic's questions, okay, or confrontation, if you will, and also some of your own questions, because this isn't just skeptics asking. These are Christians that ask these questions. Well, why isn't God answering or giving me what I want when I, when I ask him for it? In John chapter 16 and verse 24, it says, Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. So the Bible does clearly teach that God will answer the prayers of his people. So why am I not getting everything I ask for? Right? That's what it says. Why don't I get everything I ask for? Well, if you're sincerely asking this question and you truly have a desire to know the truth, there are a few things you need to remember few things you need to keep in mind. See, God answers our prayers. He always answer. He will, he will, he will answer our prayers, but not always the way we were hoping for. You know, people get in their minds when you pray something, you have a specific way that you, not only are you praying for it, but you have a specific way that you want God to deliver it, if you will. But his answer sometimes is simply no, or maybe wait, or it may be an answer that you don't really understand. I mean, I know things that I've prayed for, and years later, I've realized, wait a second, God did answer that prayer. But at the time, I didn't understand the way he was answering it. Because God doesn't go by my timetable. And God's not some puppet where I pull the strings, and he does what I want him to do. God is God, and I'm praying to that God. And I'm asking God for certain things, but we have to understand God knows what's best. The good thing we can surely know is that whatever answer God gives us, it is the best answer because he loves us. My son, Josh, heard me talking about this with my wife, Debbie, this past week, and he kind of walked through the kitchen and he said, well, you know, I I pray for things and God doesn't answer my prayers. And I said, well, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Give me more detail. And he's trying to share some things. I said, Josh, one day you're going to be a dad, right? And he said, yes. And I said, well, you'll have kids, right? And he said, yes, I'm sure I will. And I said, well, if your kids ask you, can they have candy every night for dinner? And can they play in the middle of the street? And then can they jump on, off the roof into the pool? How many people have ever done that? Jumped off your roof into the pool. Yeah, see, there's always one person. Yeah, exactly. Your parents weren't home. There's always one person. But um, but he, I said, would you let them? Would you let them do that? He thought for a second, very quickly said, no, I don't think I would let them do that. And I said, well, why not? They're asking you. You're their parent. They're asking you to. They want this. They want it. Why wouldn't you do it? He said, uh, because I would love my children and I would want to do what's best for them, what's good for them. And that wouldn't be good for them to jump off the roof or to play in the street or to eat candy every single night for dinner. And I said, exactly. God does the same for us sometimes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. But he does it because he loves us. God loves us and and he knows what's best for us. Just like you as a dad will know what's best most of the time. Most of the time. We're not God as parents, but we usually know what's best. Just like you are doing what's best for your child. God Always, always knows what's best for us because he's God and he always gives us what we what he knows is best for us and he loves us so much. And here's the thing. God will answer our prayers, but he won't always give us what we want, he, but he will give us what we need. See, sometimes we, our prayers kind of come out they, that we want what we want. We want God to just give whatever we're asking for. God is not always going to give you what you want, but He will always give you what you need. As we pray, we need to be honest about the things that we want and need. Honestly, I think it's important for us to, to share our hearts with God and to be open to God and say, and just kind of share from what's going on in our minds. He knows already, share it, but at the same time, realize. That God is in control. It is God who is in control. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, okay, right before he was going to be crucified. So he's, he's, there's a, this anticipation. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he is not, and he's fully God and he's fully man. So he understood, okay, he understood what was going to happen to him because he was fully God. But he's also fully man. Alright, so what he does, he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's anticipating now, not totally, but he's anticipating what's going to be happening to him over the next few days. And this is what he prays. I love this because you get both of them here. Fully man. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. If you knew, if you if you could comprehend, which we couldn't because we don't have the mind of God. But if we could comprehend what was going on, we would pray the exact same thing, except probably a lot more fervently. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. This is going to be overwhelming. If there's another way to pull this off, hey, that would be good. Right about now would be a good time to, you know, to spring the new one on me and say, hey, I have a different plan. But this is what he continues. Fully man, fully God. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. See, that's the attitude that we have to have. We need to ask what's on our hearts, but then realizing God is in control. He knows what's best for us. And to say, God, if it be your will, if it be your will, would you do this or would you do that? See, we should ask God for help in every single area of our lives, but at the same time realize there's a much bigger picture here that's involved. There's more than meets the eye. We can't just pray in a, in, a, in a bubble and think, you know, well, what's best for me? How is my life going to turn out? How is this going to affect me here? How is it going to affect me there? There's a bigger picture involved here. There's more at stake here. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And when we pray, we need to put ourselves in perspective of that kingdom, what God is trying to accomplish in the history of the world, not just in our particular lives. We are his children. We are his ambassadors. This is not our home, this world. Heaven is our home. And while we're here, yes, we want to pray, but we need to pray with the attitude, God, your will be done. During a men's Bible study, uh, on Wednesday mornings, we do a men's Bible study. We we're talking about this particular subject. And Jason Monifo had some good insights. And so I asked him to come this morning and share those insights with you.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Good morning. Uh, as uh, Jeff was saying, um, you know, prayer, your, how you view it and um, apply it to your life can be based on your um, your perspective uh, and how you see things, and I wanted to share with you. Um, when I made the decision to follow Christ at the end of college, there was a a guy that was speaking, and he shared a verse, and I've held on to that verse my whole life, and it kind of set. Uh, it was something I grasped, and I, uh, it gave me hope uh, to move forward. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read that for you. Now, this is the verse in the Bible. I'll read you the other one later. Um, for, it's Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and, and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So that was the verse, okay? But I want to share with you how I applied it to my life and just my perspective. Not that there was a misinterpretation. It's just how I, I kind of uh, uh, made it fit what I wanted. This is Jason's verse. Jason for i know the plans that you have created for yourself and i agree with all of them declares the lord <laughs> plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future applying that to your prayer life that will that will mess it up um your your um your expectations probably won't be met and mine weren't either for the most part um but if you if you notice it says for I know the plans I have for you. They are God's plans that are being applied to you if you accept them. Well, early on, my prayer life was very self-centered, and it was, it was all about me. Uh, God's priorities were my priorities, and that's how I kind of saw it that way. Because I had needs, and um, I trusted him, and I believed in him, and this was a new relationship, and I was really excited about it. But as I started to grow, I started realize, realizing how small I was and how large God was and as i did that it made me really start thinking why would why would god consider my priorities his priorities uh, it's not about me this is about god and his kingdom and that kind of that kind of set that kind of set me in a direction and then my question was so what's in it for me if it's about god and his kingdom what's in it for me well that is what's in it for me god and his kingdom i we have the great opportunity to be a part of God and his kingdom. And when we do that, now his priorities become our priorities and our prayer life will reflect that. And that's that's us. Um, Jen was singing a song, no place I'd rather be um, in his presence. Exactly what he's asking us to do. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, though, in our prayer life, we make our focus more about the gift and not the gift giver. Um, so we, we all need to have a priority that know we can ask for things, but we have to know the ultimate thing that he's in control. Uh, and he is our, um, our sovereign God. Um, I mentioned in here that, and I mentioned in our Bible study, uh, that there was, uh, we grow and just to reflect. I, I didn't do this on purpose, but when I look back and how did I grow, there's four things I applied to my life, uh, looking back and things that I actually did that helped me. One of those was pray. Now, We're having this conversation about prayer. God ultimately wants us to continue to pursue him. So there's going to be times where we're not praying for the right thing or we're maybe out of line. But that's growth. That will naturally happen. And that's why that's why Jeff's wanting to talk through this. Um, So prayer was very important. Uh, Number two, God's word. Um, So you're not misquoting scripture, not being misled. You need to have God's word. It's very, very important It's his breath. Uh, Number three, who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are your influences? Um, I surrounded myself by a lot of godly men because um, I would read and I would pray and I still wouldn't understand sometimes. So God would put men in my life to help uh, lift me up and kind of direct me. And number four is I served. Um, uh, It humbles you a lot and it allows you to uh, put yourself in someone else's situation that maybe is in a lower situation than you are. So doing those things help. But um, prayer is so important. So I continue no matter where you're at in your prayer life, just continue to uh, uh, push forward. And God will God will definitely bless that.
0: Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. OK, so with, with that as our foundation, if you will, there are there, there are other reasons why our prayers may be ineffective. Okay, I wanted to kind of lay that foundation, but I wanted to also now build on that foundation. It, see, if it seems like our prayers are not being answered, there may be some questions that we need to ask ourselves. Like, you know, you, you, you pray for something and it's, you're not getting it and you're getting frustrated. Oh, well, there's, no, I guess there's no God and then we get all frustrated and, and whatever. But maybe we need to ask ourselves some questions. Things we don't like to do, but we need to do that. We need to ask ourselves some questions. I have four. Four. First, number one. Okay, what are your motives here? When you ask, do you have the right motives? We talked about this a few weeks ago in James chapter four and verse three. It says this. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. He's saying it right there. Why aren't our prayers answered sometimes? Because we have the wrong motives. God is not going to just give us whatever we ask for if we have the wrong motives. Why? Because that is going to harm us. It's going to harm us. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. See, I think we have the wrong idea about God in prayer. I really do. I think we have this idea that God is somehow this, this cosmic genie. And if I have my Bible and it's a little bit more and I just rub it the right way, you know what I mean? That genie will come out and grant me my three wishes. Oh, master, what are your requests? We get that attitude sometimes that God is some cosmic genie, that he is at our beck and call, and all I have to do is ask him. It doesn't matter what I'm asking for. It doesn't matter my attitude. It doesn't matter how close I am to him. I just have to rub this thing the right way, and I'm going to get it. We often ask God just for stuff, right? Just for stuff. I want, I want more stuff. Like he's some kind of supernatural vending machine that all you have to do is, you know, push the right you know, combination of buttons, and you're going to get whatever falls out. That's not that's that's not the God that we worship. Prayer is about so much more. We just sometimes just focus on stuff, but prayer is so much more than just asking for things. It's about about giving Him our adoration. It's about giving Him thanks for His good for all the good things that He does for us. His goodness. In your family news bulletin, the back of your family news bulletin, I put down something for you. It's basically the Acts Principles of Prayer to help guide you. So I'm not going to go over those this morning. I just wanted them in there so that you can read through those. Keep that with you. And as you go into prayer, follow that guideline. It's not anything magical. It's just a guideline to help keep us focused on what's really important. Part of it is asking him for what you need. Yes. And it's okay to ask him for anything that you need, but keep in mind again who's in control. Keep in mind again that he's not always going to give you everything that you want because he loves you. And he wants you to grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And sometimes saying no is what helps us to grow in our relationship with Christ. Just like you as a good parent, say no to your own children. Number two, another another question we need to ask is, do we have any unconfessed sin in our lives? See, we don't want to talk about this stuff anymore. I'm watching, I'm watching our culture go through this ra- rapid change. Okay, people want to go out and do anything they want to do. They want to behave in any physical way they want to behave. They want to they want to say what they want to say, do what they want to do, and then they wonder why. Why are my prayers being answered? If there was a God. If God was real, then He would He would what? Be at your beck and call. Do whatever you ask Him to do. Because of course He's your puppet. He's your magic genie. Do so we, we have it all wrong here. And we've got to ask ourselves, do I have any unconfessed sin in my life? Because unconfessed sin becomes a stumbling block to having an intimate relationship or effective prayer life with God. In Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor His ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear. See, I said a few months ago, one of the greatest gifts abilities, whatever you want to use. But one of the greatest gifts that God can give us is the gift of self-reflection. The gift of self-reflection, the ability to see my own sins, the ability to see my own faults. And when I can do that, I can come to God. I can come before God and confess those things and get into a right relationship with him. Because many times God is not giving you what you're asking for because you're not in a right relationship with him. And again, he's not going to give you something that's going to harm you. So do we have any unconfessed sin in our lives and do we have the ability to self-reflect and ask those difficult questions about maybe what is keeping me away from God? I asked Jimmy Allen to come and share uh, some of the things he he, he was talking about self-reflection in our in our Bible study as well. And I asked him to come and share how self-reflection changed his life.
2: Hello. So uh, one thing that I know, uh, one stumbling block that I held on to for years was uh, the sin of selfishness. And God made this apparent to me, you know, through a series of mistakes. <laughs> but uh, so I would pray to God, you know, help me help remove this stumbling block from my life. Now, like Jeff said, God's no genie. You don't I didn't just pray about it. And he said, "Poof, OK, Jimmy, you're no longer selfish. It didn't happen like that. Typically, what I found what happens is God will do one of two things. He'll either show you in a life event that is a perfect example of what you're doing wrong. So maybe you would go, oh, yeah, I see now. I I should get away from that. Or he'll show you the opposite example of what you should be striving for. And for me, that's what happened. He showed me uh, selflessness. So as many of you know, me and Shannon, my wife, we adopted three children from Ethiopia. Well, about five years ago, when we were completing the adoption for our sons, We were in Addis Ababa, which it's just basically like a big city like any other, except the traffic's a little crazy. That's a whole different uh, story. Uh, uh, One day they were taking us in a van. It was us and some other couples. Uh, We were going to go shopping in the shopping district. And uh, the agency, they told us, now when you're on the road, there's going to be children coming up begging. uh, But you want to be careful about that because it's actually, it's forbidden within the city for people to beg. So we're driving along, it's a, like a four-lane uh, road, more like a highway, and we come to one of maybe two lights that even exist in Addis, and we get stopped, and of course all of these children run up to the van in the back where all the Americans are, and so we start giving them out little neutral grain bars and whatnot, and someone noticed that one little boy got something, and then he was back, and they said, well, wait a minute, he's, he's back again for something else, so we gave him something else. And there's more kids. And then the same kid comes back again. And everyone's going, well, that's not fair. He's just taking and taking. So we gave him one more thing. And this time we paid more attention to what he was doing. And what he was doing was he was running across the four lanes of the road. And there were some little ones lined up, some little children who couldn't possibly cross this road. He was given everything we were given to him. He was giving it to these other kids. And right then it dawned on me. I said, oh, I see, God, that's selflessness. I want to be like that kid. Even though I'm hungry and I have the resources, I want to give to the least of these first and then feed myself. And God said, There you go, work on that. (laughs) Yeah, excellent. Thank you.
0: Yeah, excellent. Excellent. See, God uses people who have the ability to um, own up to, okay, and confess the sin in their lives. You know, one of the one of the 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 characters in the Bible I love, the people in the Bible I love the most is David. And not because oh, he he was he slew Goliath. That's a great story. I love it to death and I use it all the time. But there's another story that means even more to me. David, you know, David is called a man after God's own heart. And you got to ask yourself why. Because David committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he ends up killing Uriah the Hittite, or sent him to the front lines, and he gets killed. So he basically murders the guy. I don't know how you want to put it, but he sends him up front knowing that's what's going to happen. So you have this guy who's committed adultery, and he's a murderer. And so Nathan the prophet comes along and says to David, I'm going to tell you a story, and I'm paraphrasing the whole story. You can go read it. I love the story. He says, David, I'm going to tell you a story. I heard recently this happened. He said there was this rich guy. And the rich guy had all kinds of flocks of sheep he had. He had everything he needed. He had tons of everything. And then there's this poor guy. And the poor guy only had one little lamb. And he goes on to tell a story about this little lamb. The guy slept with the lamb. And he held it close to him. It was like one of his daughters. And his family loved it. And they pet it. And you could just see this man, little bitty lamb. He was so cute. You know what I mean? And Nathan's telling the story. And David's like, yeah, this is cool. And then David says, yeah, you know what the rich guy did? And he has all these flocks. And he took the lamb from the poor guy. And he cut it up. And he fed it to the, the, the other rich guys who came to stay at his house. David's like, What are you talking about? And David's the king, so David's like, Off with his head. You know what I mean? This guy, I can't believe he was, in, he was enraged. And Nathan said to him, What would he say? Anybody? You are the man. And David didn't say, off with his head for saying that. You know what I mean? Because he's a king, right? David could have said, oh, but who are you, who are you to tell me? I'll do anything I darn will, please. I'm the king. You can't tell me I'm sinning. You can't tell me that's wrong. You can't tell me whatever. Take whatever woman I want. If I want more women, I'll take more women. If I want to kill, I'll do whatever I want. That's not what he did. He got in sackcloth and ashes and he, and he went to the ground and he prayed. And he humbled himself before God. And he wrote Psalm 51. Have mercy me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Against you, you only have I, son, and done what is evil in your sight. And he has this incredible prayer of repentance. And the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. Self-reflection, the ability to see yourself. And to confess your sin makes us a person after God's own heart. We understand God. We understand the kingdom of God. We understand what's important. And our prayer life takes on a whole new perspective. We need to be able to see, ask ourselves, is there any unconfessed sin in my life? And is my attitude, well, none none of your business what I do behind closed doors? What business is it of yours? What business of it is it of God's what I do? I'll do whatever I want to do. I'm an American. I can do whatever, everything I feel like doing. You can't tell me everything's relative anyway. My truth is my truth because I believe it. You have that kind of attitude, any unconfessed sin in your life. Stop asking the question, why is God not responding to all of my prayers when I just throw them out and ask for them? There's a reason for it. Number three. Number three, have I made anything more important than God? Have I made anything more important than God? In Ezekiel fourteen three, God told the prophet Ezekiel that some people had set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces, should I let them inquire of me at all? Should I let them inquire of me at all? What are some idols in our lives? Think about this. Let's just, I'm talking to me. I am talking to me. I am not preaching at you. I am just preaching to you and I'm talking to myself. Is there anything, I thought, of, I actually asked myself this question because I said, I'm not asking of you but I don't ask it of me. Is there anything in your life that you would not give up for God? Right now in your life, what is in your life that you would not give up for God? Anything you can think. Of, I want you to process through that for a second. See, people use it. we like to do this. I don't, ha- I don't have any idols set up in my living room that I bow down to. Well, of course not. That's not what he's talking about because most people don't. Most Christians don't. I don't know any Christians who do. What he's talking about is making something more important than God. So let me ask the question again. Is there anything in your life that you would not give up for God? When you answer the question, honestly, that, my friend, is your idol. That is the idol. Is there anything keeping you from having that intimate relationship with God and communicating with God and communing, if you will, with God? And remember, when you're answering answering that question, remember, one of the greatest gifts that God can give you is the gift of self-reflection. So be honest. Be honest. What is it that you will not give up for God? Because He knows what it is already. He loves you so much that, that has to go. That will have to go. But it also could be affecting your prayer life. So before you eliminate God from the equation because God's not answering your prayers, you need to ask, again, yourself some important questions. Because God wants to have that relationship. And sometimes we are the block, if you will, to it. The fourth question we need to ask is, am I reading my Bible... OK, because people go to church all the time. And, you know, I know you go to churches. I've had people I've had hundreds of people tell me, yeah, I went to this church or that denomination or whatever else. They never encouraged you to read your Bible. So the, my question is to you, if you're if you're wondering why your prayers not being answered or why they're not being answered the way you want kind of thing, then are you reading your Bible and are you studying your Bible? In John chapter 15 and verse seven, Jesus said this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. See, the reason why this is so important is because the word of God helps us understand who God is. And the word of God answers a lot of the questions that we have, the why questions. But we don't, we don't get them answered because we don't read the word. We don't know the word. The word of God will explain everything in way way better detail than I've given you this morning. All the things I taught you this morning are just the tip of the iceberg to what the Word of God can teach you. And if you understood that, then you'd say, oh, I understand. That's, w- that's why God's not responding to this. Or that's why, yeah, my motives. I've got I to look at my motives. Do I have any unconfessed sin in my life? You, you'd look at these stories. You'd look at the Word of God. You'd look at all the scriptures, and you'd say, oh, I see. Maybe the reason that God is not doing such and such or so and so is because... The word of God helps you see through all that. It gives you greater detail into what I'm talking about. And see, all of these points I've just laid out to you are all significantly important. They're all good questions. But the greatest question of all that I'm going to close with this morning, the greatest question, which is actually like a fifth question, but I kind of wove it in. The greatest question of all is, do I belong to God? Do I belong to God? Not do I go to church, not am I religious, not am I spiritual? Whatever. Do I belong to God? Do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? See, you you, you need to know Him before you can communicate with Him. Let me share a couple of verses with you to kind of make my point. In John chapter seven, verse chapter eight, verse forty-seven, Jesus said this: "He who belongs to God hears what God says. He who belongs to God hears what God says." You say, "Well, I can't hear from God." Well. Then you got to ask yourself some questions again. Why am I not hearing from God? He who belongs to God hears what God says. In John chapter 10 and verse 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I want to read you a story that I read that I, that, that I this, this past week that I really enjoyed, so I, I want to share it with you. It's about an Australian guy who was arrested and charged with stealing a sheep. This is the way the story goes. But he vigorously protested that it was one of his own that had been missing for many days. When the case went to court, the judge didn't know how to decide the matter. Finally, he asked the sheep be brought into the courtroom. Then he ordered the plaintiff to to step outside and to call the animal. The sheep made no response except to raise its head and look frightened. The judge then instructed the defendant to go into the courtyard and call the sheep. When the accused man began to make his distinctive call, the sheep raised up and ran toward the door toward that voice that he had heard. It was obvious that he had recognized the familiar voice of his master. His sheep knows him, said the judge, case dismissed. If you take and I won't get into all the details here just because of time. But if you three shepherds come together on, on a field, OK, you think, oh, they should stay apart because all their sheeps are going to come together. And what are they going to do? Oh, no. What are they going to do? Three shepherds come together. Happens all the time. And the sheep all intermingle. They're hanging out. Hey, man, how you, doing? you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're just, you know, and they're having a good time and they're doing their sheep thing, whatever they're doing. And then the sheep, then the shepherds go, hey, you know, whatever. I'll see you later. And they go in three different directions. And the shepherd of each sheep makes his call, his voice. And all the sheep, all these dopey sheep break up and follow the mass master, their master's call. They're not confused. You can dress, they've done this, you can dress a guy up to look exactly like that other shepherd and have him walk in a different direction. Those sheep will not follow him. They know the voice of their master. They know the voice of their shepherd, and they only follow that voice. And Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. They follow me. See, how can we hear God's, how can we hear from God, if you will, if we don't know his voice? If you don't know him, how can you hear from God if you don't know what he sounds like? If you don't know him, to have an intimate, effective prayer life We need to know God and we need to put him first. And when we do that as believers, when we do that, God hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. And I'm going to say this again. And it's not a cop out. People say, oh, so you say put that on the end. I had a friend who's an atheist. They say, well, you just say it's not it's not a cop out. It's according to God's will. It's what Jesus taught us. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Paul would say the same thing. I'm going to go to this place if it be God's will that I that I go. I will visit you in a year, if it be God's will. God is not a puppet. God doesn't, I said he's not a genie. God's not a, a supernatural vending machine. God is God and we worship him. We are the sheep and we follow him. We do what he says. So God does answer our prayers. God will answer our prayers. But we have to continue to have the submissiveness to God to say, God, your will be done. And let me give me the maturity, the spiritual maturity to accept your answer, whatever it is, knowing that you are doing it for my good. See, you just need to trust that God is going to answer you, give you the best answer for your life and for his kingdom and for his glory. God is going to lead us down the right path for us if we trust him. In Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says this. I love this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not, see, on your own understanding of what you think is best. In all of your ways, in everything you do, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust him. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. If you're here this morning and you're not sure you you know where you stand with God, there was a time in my life, 17 and a half years old, I had no idea where I stood with God and someone asked me the same question. And I want you to bow your heads with me as I finish off here. I want you to bow your heads and listen to what I'm saying here. If you're here this morning and you're not sure where you stand with God, I want you maybe for the first time in your life to truly hear his word and pray a simple prayer. If that's your desire, to have that relationship with him, to know God. In John three sixteen it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In Romans 10, 9, it says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. We need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Lord, not just Savior, but Lord of our lives. It's a simple gift. God the Father is offering you the gift of Jesus Christ. And when you have that gift, Jesus covers you from everything you've ever done in the past, everything you've done in the present and everything you will do in the future. His blood covers all of that. And so you can enter into the presence of God. That intimate relationship with God, not some God somewhere out there, but a a personal relationship with a living God. If that's your desire, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I realize that I'm separated from you because of my sin. And like David, Lord, I want to just fess up. I don't want to have an arrogant attitude and just hold on to something I know is wrong. I confess my sin before you. And ask that you, through your Holy Spirit, through the blood of Christ, would take that all away. So I confess my sin and ask that you would invade my life. That you would truly invade my life and you'd be the most important thing in my life. You would come first. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Give me your Holy Spirit to show me the life that you want me to live, the gifts that I have, and how I can use them to further your kingdom. God, I surrender. I surrender and give you first place in my life. God, please hear my prayers. Hear my prayers. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. If you just keep your head bowed, I just want to encourage you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we had multiple people in the first service pray that prayer and they came out to me after the service and just shook my hand and let me know that they did that so that I could follow them up and I can encourage them and help them on their road, their spiritual journey. If you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand up very quickly and you can put it back down. I just want want to encourage you. Amen. 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 Please come to me after the service and let me know that as well if I missed your hand. And I just want to give you what you need for your spiritual growth. And Father, we thank you for this time that we can spend together. We thank you, Lord God, that there are answers to our questions, but they're not always easy. They're not always simple, and they may not always be what we like. But this isn't a game. This isn't a religion. This is a relationship with a living God. Who doesn't dance to the beat of our drum? We don't make up in our minds or coerce or pretend that you're somehow going to do something for us, Lord God, because it's just something that we desire. But you're a God who loves us so much that you want to meet the desires of our hearts. But you want our hearts to be in the right place. You want us to have the right attitude. You want us to have the right motives. You want us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. That's your goal. So God, I I pray our prayers would meet that goal. That when we ask for things, it would be in such a way that we would be desiring to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. We know you give us little things. We know you answer our prayers. And maybe things that don't seem so incredible, But they matter to us. And so thank you for answering those prayers. But thank you for saying no. Because it saved our lives so many times. And so much grief and hardship. In relationships and in jobs. Whatever else Lord we prayed for. Thanks for saying no. Thanks for closing the door. And loving us more. Than we even love ourselves. And knowing more about us than we know about ourselves. You're awesome we praise you, we thank you, and we give you this time and pray that it would be ingrained in our minds, Lord God, that we remember it. And as we pray, it would be in our, it would be in our attitudes and in our minds in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great week.